0: Open our lips, O Lord, that our mouths might proclaim your praise. Amen. There is a grand arrival in Nazareth today. The local boy has come home, and the stories are vast about him. He has been traveling through towns, and they are hearing these reports about him as he's been teaching and healing and going about place to place. And now, Nazareth is the latest stop on the Jesus tour. You know, you got the t shirt. You know, Galilee, Nazareth. He's come home. They're excited. We will learn next week that the excitement doesn't last real long, but we'll save that for next week. Today, the boy has returned. Today, he gets to preach in the synagogue. There's a phrase that I would love to just do a whole sermon on in this gospel where it says, Jesus went to the synagogue as was his custom. What it's saying is Jesus went to church. And not in some quaint way of understanding that. What it says to us is this was what kept him alive. This was what kept him knowing himself and knowing God and being open to the people he encountered in, because it was part of his custom and his ritual and his practice. It was not casual for Jesus to participate in the life of the synagogue. It's the foundation We could talk a long time, but it's certainly a very pregnant phrase for us to hold on to. But today, we're in the season of epiphany. Epiphany, the means to shine upon, to show, or another word that'll make Episcopalians uncomfortable, the season of epiphany, which is a season about testimony. I've joked many times about Episcopalians. We get nervous about certain words like evangelism and testimony, Because in the Episcopal Church, as we've said, we do reflections. (laughs) Yeah, they're not testimonies. That gets a little too personal. But this whole story is just a testimony, and Epiphany is a season of testimonies. What did we see? What was revealed in our midst? And as we go through the season of Epiphany and Revelation and testimony, it's always good for us to remember when we're in the Gospel of Luke But the writer of Luke and the writer of the Acts of the Apostles were the same. And for the author of both, they saw it as one book with two parts. The gospel, which is about God in the flesh of Jesus, and the Acts of the Apostles, which is about God in the flesh of the church, the body of Christ. And in fact, if you lay the Gospel of Luke and Acts on top of each other, and you had like translucent pages There are many places where there are exact stories. And the only real difference is on one it says Jesus did and on the other one it says the disciples did. It's interesting how many widows there are that have dead sons that appear in both. Not a coincidence. Stories of exorcism, stories of healings. I could go on and on, but just to tell you that what the evangelist is trying to say is that everything that was true about Jesus is true about us, period. Same story, just different pronouns. And so as we hear this story, this epiphany, this testimony today, it's not simply about Jesus, it's about us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Holy One has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, The Holy One has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. A story about Jesus and us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us fully, We repeat it again and again, every bit that this is true about Jesus is true about us. Not something we have to strive for or reach for or hope we attain by being good enough. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us fully, completely now. So that the blind can see, so that the oppressed can be set free, So that those who have come with narratives about themselves, that they have either learned from the community or have been put upon them, can be set free of those narratives. The woman at the well, whose narrative is a bit sketchy in places, and who by the end of her conversation with Jesus runs into the town saying, he told me everything about me. And she's free. Because in Jesus, everything about her was part of who he related to. didn't castigate her or shame her or saying, I've heard about who you are. Everything about me, she is released and free. We could go and spend a whole sermon on what are the demons today that you need to be set free from? What are the narratives that have been said to you by others, maybe your family, about how you don't measure up? are about what your worth is. And it might not be a bad exercise for us all to write them down on slips of paper, those narratives that hold us back, fold them up and put them in the offering plate, and then take a candle and light them because you know how much I like fire. But to say, those don't work anymore. They're not true. Be free from those narratives that would tell you other than who you are, beloved child of God. The poor have good news preached here's one worth spending some time on because if we just took it on its surface it might sound like oh the halves are telling the poor jesus really loves you god really does love you god doesn't see you as some kind of different category of people and if we did that we would not understand at all what jesus is saying Because when Jesus is saying to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, he is saying what Jews would have heard. He's talking Jubilee. That 50 year cycle where very tangible economic and commercial transactions took place. The good news to the poor in Jubilee years are this Are you a slave? This year you're free. Period. You are returned to your status as free. Do you have debt? All debts are forgiven, period. Have you lost land from one place or another or through one thing or another? All lands are returned to their original owners. Now that's good news. (laughs) And that has nothing to do with the magnanimity of the owners. What it was was Israel saying, we understand there is an underbelly to commerce. And that underbelly is that over time people get trapped and people get caught up in stuff and people get separated and every so often we have to put the odometer back to zero and say we've got to start all over because we've gotten kind of screwed up. And we have destroyed relationships and destroyed beings and so now we start back over. That is the good news to the poor. It's a tangible, commercial, economic proclamation of Jesus. All is returned to how it should be. People are released. The poor are restored. You ever wonder what the church's mission statement is? We have a really good one. I really like it. But basically, are people being set free? Are oppressive systems being broken? Is commerce being changed? That's Isaiah. What was heartening was how last week's annual meeting reports were an epiphany testimony. We're Isaiah. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to them, go to the website, go to the sermon page, and you can hear the various reports that lay folks here made about our life this past year and where the Spirit of the Lord is upon us because they're reports about people finding sight that they had not had before. They are reports of people finding oppression that was difficult to name and to admit to and to honor and and hold up and examine, but finding that the very examination was bringing freedom. They were epiphany testimonies, and they also included testimonies about commerce, finding sight, releasing captives. That spirit epiphany testimony wasn't about, we're all perfect, and we figured this perfect way, but it was about finding our sight, sight not quickly found or easily found, but sight nonetheless. In insight that compelled examination that led to freedom, an examination that compelled more examination and left folks realizing there's still more examination to do. But we've tasted some freedom in the examination, and why would we turn back now? Well, I said at the beginning of this sermon that what is true for Jesus is true for us. Now I want to flip it a little bit because what was being testified to in those reports about us is also true for Jesus. Because Jesus didn't just come to Nazareth and all of a sudden it was great. Quickly in Luke's gospel before this story is Jesus going through the wilderness and facing the temptations. And Jesus have to examine in himself, where do I love power? (laughs) Where do I want to control stuff? Where do I want to make sure that I have my stuff before I go out and talk to others about sharing stuff? Where do I want to feel secure? Where do I want to feel that God loves everyone but maybe just loves me just a smidge more? (laughs) Not that any of us, including me, ever have those kind of thoughts. And Jesus has had to face his own demons and the things that would hold him captive. And it won't be the last time but it certainly has informed his coming to Nazareth. And also what has informed his coming to Nazareth is going through the towns and villages before he's gotten there. Where what he's experiencing through the people is they're finding sight, and they're finding freedom and good news. And so he comes into Nazareth not with some kind of philosophical understanding, but saying, there's this path, It's not easy. It's gonna scare the living bejeebers out of us. It's gonna demand that we look at our demons and we look at all the ways that we participate in stuff that holds us and other people captive. But what I'm finding in these towns is that the communities who look at that are finding their freedom. And things are shifting. Sight is being found. Freedom is being experienced. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Holy One has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. The Holy One has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Today, this is being fulfilled in our midst. This is our story. This is what we are being called to live in, too. And it's not only found by looking for the epiphanies, but by sharing our testimonies. Amen.